You're already up. Great. No, no, you come on. <laughs> this is John. Can we welcome John? Fantastic. Um, my, name's, my name is Paul Hatton, one of the elders here at King's Community Church, and we've invited John along, a friend of the church based over in Deerham at Wellspring uh, Church, and yeah, just want to give you really just a bit of a picture of John. We were there a couple of weeks ago with their, uh, with their family for a roast. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to dob you in with anything, but just over for a roast dinner, just enjoying their hospitality uh, with John and his wife, Nikki, and uh, three of their kids were there, and their lodger, Milos, was there, who's over from uh, Serbia for a year serving, uh, serving the church. And uh, it was just a wonderful time, lively, like the teenagers, you know, saying things they probably shouldn't say, things like that, just normal family life and it was it was a really great time uh, for us to be together um, in recent months we've started connecting with the relational mission community that John leads and relational mission basically is made up of numbers of these relational mission communities and it's a way of us connecting as churches into meaningful mission and relationship as we partner together really to uh, fulfill part of our vision which is to go in mission and service so we do that as we go to our neighbors as we go into our neighborhoods as we go to our workplaces to tell our friends and family about Jesus but as a church we're also involved in going into this neighborhood and the neighborhoods around around Norwich, but also into the nations and further afield. And, and John's really going to stir us in that, I, I hope, I trust. I trust God's going to be speaking to us today. Do we trust that? Yeah, that he's going to be stirring us, pointing us to his word, pointing us to his mission that he's got us involved in to make disciples of all nations. And I'm really excited about this. Will you be filling us in a bit about Everywhere to Everywhere? Would you be mentioning that or do you want to? You, I, do you want me to mention it now? Yeah, why don't you do that and then I'll, I'll, I'll slip away now and you carry on. Okay, so I'll, I'll probably refer to it briefly again later, but uh, I, I'd really love you to sign up uh, to come and be with us at the King's Centre in Norwich on the 6th of November when we've got a conference for all of the churches, well, churches that are part of our wider relational mission community, particularly those that are working in Norfolk and North Suffolk. So if you can possibly set that day aside, we've got um, a really um, great speaker coming, someone called David Devonish, some of you might know, been a senior leader within the New Frontiers family of churches, which is where we as Relational Mission come from for many, many years, and he's got an incredible uh, heart and passion, but also immense experience in mission to the nations, especially uh, to nations that um, maybe would be considered closed, um, and he speaks with great power and great authority, and I would just love you to be there. I think it's going to be a day for us to be caught up and freshly inspired in the mission to reach the neighborhood but also to reach our county and, and the city and also to not neglect the nations with that as well. We've called it from everywhere to everywhere. Every believer has been put somewhere by the Lord and you're called to reach where you are, your Jerusalem, but there's always that Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth aspect to it. Somehow we've got to live with the tension of being very, very committed to reaching our local community, but also knowing that the God of the nations has the nations on his heart, and so therefore as his people, we need to have the same as well. So please, please come. There's going to be a full children's program. 
We're there from, I think it's probably starting about 10 o'clock, that sort of time. Be there till about 4. Um, you're, I'm sure you're beginning to get the information through on how to book in. Um, Paul is nodding at me. So, it's a real privilege to be with you, but this needs to be a bit taller, or I need to get shorter, one or the other. Can we just pray as we start? Lord, we are so grateful for your promises, and we're so grateful for the promise that when we gather, even if it's only two or three, that you're there in the midst, that there is a knowing of you that we can only know together. We can't do this alone. That was never your intention. But here we are, we're in this room, and you've promised to be here, and you have promised that we will know you more as a consequence. Jesus, you've promised that as we go together with you, that you will be with us even to the very end of the ages. You are here by the power and personal presence of the Holy Spirit. So I'm asking, Lord, right now that you will intensify your Spirit's presence and activity with us. And that, Lord, we will in no way go through the motions today, but we will rather meet with the living God. Lord, reveal yourself afresh. Come with power, Holy Spirit, I pray. Fill us and flood us and bless us. And, Lord, do what you want to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, If you've got a Bible, it'd be really great to turn to Numbers chapter 10. It's a camping story, and um, some of you might know I've got a bit of history with Mr. Raspin. I know he loves nothing better than camping at New Day. That was his favorite and his best. By the way, singing that song, Water Into into One, it just reminded me of um, one of our early trips out to Serbia when he was wild and young and un- uncontrollable. Um, but I remember we, we kind of introduced that song, because yeah, compared to that, he's now become Mr. Tame. You, you've tamed him. I don't know how you've done it, but you've done it. It's a miracle. Um, but I, I was just remembering us uh, learning the song uh, with the guys out in Niche in Serbia when we went out there. This is a camping story. This is a new beginning story we're looking at. And we really are at a bit of a moment of new beginnings, aren't we? It's a new season. We're sort of coming out the other side of all that's happened with lockdowns and so on, working out where we go next. This is a God story because he is central, of course. This is a people of God story because the scriptures from the very beginning really introduce us to a God who has wanted a people for himself. And the context, uh, thank you for reading from Exodus at the start. I don't know if that was deliberate or accidental. But the context in Numbers 10 is what happens immediately after what Ben read to us at the beginning. let me just remind you briefly, it's, we've had the exodus. The Israelites have come out of Egypt, and there's been all sorts of adventures which you're probably quite familiar with, and then they are brought to Mount Sinai, and at Mount Sinai, the covenant between God and his people is made for the first time. It's literally cut into uh, stones And the ten words of God, the ten commandments, are are established. There is a covenant, there's a a law that accompanies it. And yet, within a moment, catastrophe. 
the golden calf incident. I'm sure you remember this. The people make these golden calves, and they say, well, these are the gods that brought us out of Egypt. Really? What? Is, what? And yet, <laughs> mercy triumphs over judgment. And the next thing we know is what happens as Ben describes God passing before in this way. The people are getting to know God. And we arrive then at Numbers 10. And it's the very next thing that happens after God has refreshed, renewed, restored the covenant. Before this time, they are a people. They've kind of become a nation. It's like as they went through the Red Sea waters. It was like baptism. It's like they've been born again as a nation. But this is the first time that they are a covenant nation. And it's the very first time that they will break camp as a covenant nation. And in chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets of hammered work. You shall make them. So the thing that happens next in the story is God speaks. And that is the, that's, the story, that's the story of the Scriptures over and over again. God is the one who initiates. God is always the one who moves. He's always the one who starts the next thing. God speaks. God speaks. God acts. God is the great initiator. Moses hears God speaking to him again. You'd have thought, surely God had told him everything he needed to know up on the mountain. Moses can just get on with it. No, he's literally just come down the mountain. The next thing that happens is the Lord spoke to Moses saying, there's the next instruction, literally God speaks to him. And Moses, uh, we assume, obeys because the rest of the chapter is what is going to flow out of God's instruction. It's very noticeable in the Old Testament that God deals with people in moments. There are God moments, whether it's a burning bush or whether it's kind of a, something being revealed on a mountain, or in a moment like this when God speaks. God deals with us in moments. I guess one of the first God moments that I can think of in my life was on Sheringham Beach, round about 1978 or 9, if you can remember. I'm looking at this crowd. <laughs> you can remember that, yeah. <laughs> I was a, a, a kind of a a young junior school age child, I think, and uh, my family had brought me up uh, to Sheringham for holidays, and at that time there was a, a, a beach mission uh, known as CSSM, which was also known as Come Single Soon Married, but that wasn't relevant to me, that was for the young people that used to come and volunteer. And on the, on the, uh, the beach mission, students, people in their 20s would come, and they'd do children's ministry for holidaymakers and maybe for townsfolk. And uh, I remember being on the, on the beach, sat on the stones on Sheringham Beach, and they had this little kind of beach pulpit thing they'd made. And a guy stood on it. He told the story of Jonah, and he invited anyone who was hearing that story, who felt they wanted to, to come and speak to him afterwards and to pray with him to turn around like Jonah turned around and to follow Jesus. And... For me, that was a God moment. 
Each of you, I'm sure, have had God moments. And of course, Moses didn't just have one. I've not just had one. That was perhaps the first one I recognized. God deals with us in moments. I wonder if God is wanting to have a God moment with some of us, even today, certainly in this season we're in. I wonder if God wants to have moments with, with us. So what does God say to Moses? He says, you've got to make two silver trumpets. Interesting about those words that came um, from Sam and Karis. We had something about uh, liberty and worship. We had something about heat and metalwork. So here we've got two silver trumpets being constructed. They don't doesn't tell us the details, but to get the silver, it's going to have to be heated up somehow, and then it's hammered into shape to make these trumpets. What, what's this all about? Well, it's about communication. It's interesting, the chapter then goes on to talk about the importance of communication, and these two trumpets are going to be used for communication. I'm kind of wanting to blow a little trumpet today. I haven't brought one with me. Um, I can't even make a convincing trumpet-like sound. But I want to blow a bit of a trumpet of communication to you today, just as Israel were going to hear this trumpet, and depending on what the sound made, they would know what to do. I want to blow a trumpet to you to call you out, to call you up and into the mission that God has got for you, both in this local neighborhood but in the city and to the county and to the nations. I'm even blowing a little trumpet for the 6th of November. Come to King Centre Norwich on that day. Gather with churches from across Norfolk and North Suffolk and maybe from some of the nations too. And come, we're going to get together and we're going to hear some instructive uh, teaching that's going to help us. If you read on, I'm not going to read it in the next few verses, the various ways that the trumpet is going to be blown is going to communicate different things. Very crucial is going to be the importance of gathering. The nations at certain points will hear the trumpet sound, that means we all gather, we all get together, and we've been kind of rejoicing in that and reminding ourselves of that this morning, the urgency of getting together. Now, we've had to rely on online stuff and those who didn't join in with their worship online, gasp. Uh, but praise the Lord, we're able to get back together now. It's so important for us to gather. Interestingly, there's a, a certain type of toot, which means everyone comes together. Another type of toot will be the leaders need to get together. They don't just stay in their own thing, doing their own thing. They need to get together. There's instructions that mean it's time to break camp. There's another one, which is it's war time. There's another one which seems to imply intercession. The blowing of the trumpet in verses 9 and 10 seems to in some way mean that the nation is remembered by the Lord. Not that the Lord ever is forgetful, but as they blow the trumpets, there is something intercessory about that very act, which means that God will remember his people for war, even God will remember his people in worship. God will move. Heaven will somehow move in response to the sound of the silver trumpets. So you can read it through in verses uh, 2 to 10, not toot, 2 to 10, and uh, you'll, you'll get a sense of the different ways that these trumpets would be used. I wondered whether this is the very first time that a trumpet, silver or otherwise, was ever encountered in the Old Testament, but it's not. 
If we go back to Exodus 19, there is an earlier trumpet which happens. Exodus 19 and verse 13. Uh, oh, well, let's see if I can do it about the glasses. Um, okay, so this is when they are approaching Mount Sinai. This is earlier in the story. No hand uh, shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot, whether beast or man. He shall, oh my goodness. This is don't go on to the mountain, says God. Then it says, when the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. Just out of nowhere, there is a trumpet that's going to sound a loud blast. And that is the instruction to the people, come up to the mountain, but don't stand on it. Just get close, but not onto it. And interestingly, uh, if you read on in that passage, verses 16 and 17 and 19, this trumpet more and more obviously becomes clear to us. It's It's a trumpet of heaven. It's a trumpet from heaven because it gets louder and louder. There's something supernatural There's something strange about this trumpet. Now, why am I just pressing in on this a little bit? I I really feel to urge you as a church that there's something in these two silver trumpets around worship. I know, obviously, I know Johnny. I've spoken to him a little bit. I know that there's a number of you that feel stirred about worship. What we see in this story is that there there is a trumpet in heaven... And then there is a parallel, there's a trumpet on earth. There's a sound in heaven, there is a parallel sound to be made on earth. There is a, there is a new technology. Before then, I don't know what instruments they played. I think we can go back to the song of, uh, of Moses, but the song by the sea. Maybe there's a tambourine or something on the go. This is a new technology. There's a, there's a development in their experience of worship that they've never known before involving two silver trumpets. Interestingly, didn't, didn't we hear the reference to the timbrel? We don't even, didn't even know what that was. As we go on through the story of the Old Testament, we find that there is technological development in worship. I heard someone speaking about this recently. It's not my original idea. But they were saying that King David, in the preparations for the temple basically developed an extraordinary system of choral singers and all kinds of different musicians amongst the Levites. This was new. Before that time, all the stuff that went on in the tabernacle, it was the, there was the sacrifices, there was the blood, all that stuff was going on. David's innovation is to prepare the people for a new level of rejoicing and exulting in worship. There is something new. And I just want to encourage you as a church, press on, press on, press on into things of worship. Write new songs. Experiment with instruments. Make new sounds. The Lord is about a new song. That is a familiar refrain in the Scriptures. Every revival has been accompanied by new songs being written, new worship, a new sound. And the pattern I think we're seeing from the trumpets is there's something going on in heaven, which is then paralleled with what human beings do on earth. So seek the Lord who is in heaven. 
and make a sound on earth that parallels what he is showing you, fresh things from his word. And the good news is, I hope this won't worry any of you too much, but if you read on, I think it's in verse 19 of Exodus 19, it's loud. Is that good news, Johnny? It's good news. So I'm really sorry, but you can always sit at the back if it gets too loud. It's loud. You know, we, 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 we think about the sound of worship in the book of Revelation before the Lord in the throne. It doesn't appear very quiet. Sometimes, there are times to be silent, but there's time to make a lot of noise before the Lord. I love the way that the theme of worship and liberty uh, was something God was speaking to, to us about already this morning. I really want to underline that to you. Now, as we go on in the, uh, the story, uh, in Numbers 10 now, and we come to verse 13, it says this, they set out for the first time. They set out for the first time. So the trumpets have been made. There's a, there's a kind of a, a, a tooty, tooty, tooty sound that presumably the priests make. So everyone knows what, they, what they've got to do. In fact, the cloud, which is, if you like, the movement coming from heaven, is going to be the thing that triggers this. The cloud moves. The priests are watching what the cloud is doing. So they now toot. You see, you've got the movement from heaven, which then corresponds to a movement on earth. We respond to what the Lord is doing. They set out for the first time. I haven't got time to read it all the way through, but as you read verses 14 to 28, what we find is a very detailed um, account of how they, uh, how they break camp, how they form up and prepare to, to move. And I just want to note a couple of things from that. But please, if you could read it through later today, I think that would be great. I want to emphasize that there is a unity about the way that they move. It's really emphasized that they move as one nation. They move as one nation. There is an orderliness about how they move. Judah is the tribe that goes first. And all of the other tribes are told exactly in what order they are to move. There is a a unity and there is an orderliness about it. But at the same time, there are also distinct responsibilities. And something which I think is is new in the story that's introduced to us here is that each tribe has a clearly identified leader. As you read through the verses that I've mentioned to you, verses 14 to 28, the name of the tribal leader is identified, and we're told that they also they had a standard. You know, they picked up their standard, and they kind of raised it up nice and high. So everyone knew who, their, who the leader was and the standard, and they would move in order to get into their group. It was all happening at once, but each group within the nation knew their part, they knew their leadership, they knew their place. And I don't want to overplay this, but I would like to make some similarities to the way that we're functioning as a family of churches. Obviously, we know we're part of the worldwide body of Christ. I'm not suggesting that we equal the nation of Israel. But we are the people of God. And what we see here is the way that God worked with his people. And so there is a sense in which relational mission continues to grow 
as a family of churches in many nations. There's a sense of something quite big there. There's a sense of, of us trying to move together. I, I urge you, if you've not already had time to do this, check out the Relational Mission website. Look at the page on there about vision. It's really clear. It's really big. It's really compelling. A mission to go to the UK, to the mainland of Europe, and to the nations. It's beautifully and simply laid out. It's exhilarating. Massive. It's what we are about as one family. We're getting behind one vision. We've got an apostolic team, three um, apostles leading us as a family. We know where we're heading. But within that big picture, they have also appointed these delegates, of which I'm one, and they've given us a name, Relational Mission Community Leaders. Uh, it's a bit of a mouthful. It's really catchy. RMCL. And there's more than one of us, so RMCLs. Um, so we, we are functioning uh, as delegates. If you're looking for a New Testament comparison, a bit like a kind of a Timothy or a Titus, where Paul says, right, I want you to go over to Crete. Can you sort all this stuff out there for me, please? There's a delegated uh, responsibility that's been given to myself and a number of others. And we've been asked to just work together with smaller groupings of churches bit in the way that Paul described earlier, just helping the churches to care for one another, to support and encourage one another, but also to come together in mission. Because the big vision that we've got also requires it breaking down into smaller components. And hence um, our commitment to seeing 20 more places in Norfolk and North Suffolk reached as just one example of that. So the point in the passage was that Every single person needed to know who their leaders were. They needed to know their place. They needed to know their identity. They knew where they fitted. And so you, as, as individual members of your church, you need to know who your elders are, who the leaders are. You need to have an, a sense of, you know, okay, here we are in City West. We know what God's calling us to do. We know our part. But also just have a sense that we are a part of something a bit bigger too in this community. It's not just about this kind of patch of, Nor of Norwich, but actually it's, it's bigger than that too. But it's, it's also, it, there's a sort of intimacy about it. We, do, we know the guys in Deerham or we know the guys in Sheringham or Elsham or wherever it is. But then also we're aware that we're part of something much bigger too. So I just want to encourage you to see in the story this sort of unity and order, distinct responsibilities. There's probably not too much time to get into it. The other thing that I would just draw your attention to in this whole section is that a number of the tribes have got particular responsibilities for carrying the tabernacle or carrying the holy things, as they're called, that go in the tabernacle. And... Uh, uh, the presence of God is symbolized by these things. Central amongst this nation is the fact that God is in the midst of them. Do you remember Moses saying, I'm paraphrasing him here, he basically said, we are not budging an inch if you don't come with us. Do you remember him saying something like that? Unless God is with us, what will make us any different from any other group of people on the earth? We are the people of God. The old-fashioned word is we are peculiar. <laughs> that came out earlier a bit, didn't it? We are unique. There is something glorious about the church. 
Though we may be a relatively small group of people in here today, we're part of the global people of God, the universal church. We're the people of God. No one else on planet Earth has God living inside them. The Holy Spirit dwells within each one of us if we know Jesus as Lord. He dwells amongst us as a local church. He dwells amongst his people. We are unique. We are the holy people of God. It's extraordinary. The presence of God with his people is what really marks us out. Other groups of people can be nice. We are not unique for being nice. I hope you're nice. Other groups of people can be odd (laughs) or weird. What the single thing that marks us out as being different is the presence of God with us. And in the story, the presence of God is there symbolized by being uh, carried amongst them, but also we read in verse 11 how the cloud is above them. They're overshadowed by the presence of God. Heaven is near them. Heaven is close. Heaven is amongst them. And then the really interesting thing, to me at least, is in verse uh, 33 and verse 34. I'm just going to read these two verses to you. So they set out... From the Mount of the Lord, three days' journey, and the Ark of the Covenant went before them, three days' journey, to seek out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was over them by day. I've got this kind of almost curious sort of sci fi picture in my head of the Ark going on almost as if it was powered by itself in front of the people, seeking and searching out the direction they were to go. Of course, it was being carried by people. There's something a little bit mysterious here. But the ark represents the presence of God. In the the tabernacle where that was is the holy place. In in the temple, the ark would then be placed in in the holy of holies. And yet the ark... It's not kind of like in the middle of them with armed guards, keeping it safe, making sure that no one can get near it. The ark goes on ahead, seeking out a place for them. God overshadows them in the cloud. God goes on ahead of them in the ark. God is in the midst of them, symbolized by these other items. How beautiful that is. I seem to remember someone else saying that they were going to go on ahead and prepare a place for us. Do you remember that? So even here we see a little picture of the Lord Jesus going on ahead, making sure that we know exactly where we are heading towards. We have a sure and certain future. Even as they walked by faith into the wilderness, not knowing where they were heading, we follow the Lord Jesus. We know, we know where he's gone. And he said, I've gone ahead to prepare a place for you. There are many, many rooms in my father's house. There's a place for us that he's prepared for us. And we are heading in that direction even now. He's overshadowing us. He's in the midst of us. He's gone ahead of us. He's everywhere because he's God. How comforting that is for us when we go through difficult and challenging times. So, the two silver trumpets setting out for the first time. The last bit that I want to draw your attention to is in verse 29. It's really curious. You've got this kind of a glorious picture of the whole nation breaking camp, you know, the trumpet, it's all glory, glory. And then we get this, in the midst of it, this kind of encounter. Verse 29, And Moses said to Hobab, 
the son of Reuel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Here's the important bit. Come with us, and we will do good to you, for the Lord has promised good to Israel. So in the midst of this story, there's this God moment for this chap called Hobab, who is... It's a little bit difficult to know exactly who he is. Let's just go with he is Moses' brother-in-law, his family anyway. And Moses says to Hobab, come with us. Come with us. Come with us. Hobab is receiving a moment of invitation. Come with us. I just want to draw a few quick things out from this. The first is that In Moses' words, there is a summary, if you like, of our mission. We are to go to the people around here and to say to them, come with us. Why? Because the the Lord God in Jesus Christ has promised to do good to us. He's gone ahead to prepare a place for us. Come with us. Come with us. It's eternal life. Come with us. This is a gospel invitation. We carry the promises of God. The very promises that were given to Abraham, that the whole world will be blessed through Abraham and his descendants. By faith, we are the descendants of Abraham. And we are saying to the nations, come along too. Don't miss out. Come and get the promise of Abraham. Come and get a part of it. Come and be in. Don't exclude yourself. Don't Get yourself, don't kind of reject this and in so doing be excluded. Why would you do this? Come to the feast. Come to the feast of the king. Don't miss out. There is a gospel invitation. And to each one of us is entrusted, if you like, a Moses calling. Go to your friends, neighbors, and colleagues and say, come with us. Why are we so special? Because of the Lord with us. If it were not for him, we'd be no different to them. Why would they come with us? Come with us. We're going somewhere. It's interesting, isn't it, that in that imagery, come with us because we're going on a journey. It's not, let me just pray for you that you could be saved. And it, That's a passive imagery almost, isn't it? This is active imagery. We are becoming disciples of the Lord Jesus. What did he say as he called his first disciples? Come follow me. We're people on a journey. We're going somewhere. We're mobile. We're moving. We're purposeful. That's who we are. And we are to invite people into that. In a world where people are so confused, don't know which way to turn, we're saying, come with us. We've got the promises of God. We're heading to the best possible destination. And look at the way that we're going. But if I can also just highlight a couple of things here too, that Hobab Uh, is being invited to be a part, to be in, to be included. And I just want to say to you, have you worked through what it means to be a member of your local church? Are you holding back a little bit? I would just say to you, as it were, on behalf of the elders here, come with them. (laughs) Be a part of the local church. Commit yourself as a member. You know, the, the kind of consumerist individualism of our culture is a plague on us. Oh, I wouldn't want to be a member. You, what, what, commitment? Moses is saying, come with us. Why? Because we, together, as God's people, we've got promises. You won't get the benefit of all those promises if you just stand on your own. 
So I want to invite you, if you have not committed yourself to membership of the local church, do it. If you kind of think, how, talk to one of the elders and say, how, and they'll say, how. And the other thing I just want to say to you together as a church is... I want to encourage you to feel a sense of belonging and participation in what we're doing as a community together. There are churches across Norfolk. If you've been, if you were at our conference, well, it was online last year, the year before when we were uh, at the King Center with Steph, we've launched this thing called 2020, which is 20 years of mission to Norwich and Norfolk. We're looking to reach 20 more places, starting sites and congregations and churches and all the rest of it. Last Sunday afternoon, we had our first Sunday afternoon meeting in Watton. We sat out in the grass, bathing in the sunshine. It was warm and lovely. Uh, We had over 30 of us there. It was brilliant. We had people from different churches across the area coming to help, as well as people from Watton we're gathering. Yesterday, um, some of the guys who are uh, starting a, a new work in Fakenham, they were in someone's home who's just given his life to the Lord in the last couple of weeks, just beginning to do some Bible study with him. We're part of something bigger, but it's at an intimate level. This is our city and our county. This is our area. But in our community, as well as it being Norwich, Norfolk, North Suffolk, We've also got some churches uh, on the mainland of Europe that we're a part of too. And uh, you, you've probably heard the, the, the name Serbia mentioned. Uh, also, the, there's a church plant in Pardubica in the Czech Republic that are connected to us. They're launching the Alpha course this week. Uh, so we pray that God will bless them. We're, we're kind of like a, a family working together. How does Hobab respond in verse 30? He basically says, nah, don't fancy it. I'm going to stick with my own people and my own place. This is a moment of danger. There is always the danger of being small-minded, of staying with me and my little group. The Lord wants us to see the nations and to have an expansive Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth perspective. And if you like, our human flesh wants to stay where it's safe. There was a moment of danger here for Hobab. No, I'm just going to stick with my own place and my own people, the familiarity of where it's safe. This is dangerous. It's completely contrary to the the, the value system of the people of God. We are a people on a journey. We're like Abraham, didn't even know where he was going, but we're going. We're out there. Go and make disciples of all nations, is what Jesus said to us. Come with us, we're going. I, I, I guess if Hobo said, tell me exactly where you're going, Moses might have struggled a little bit. Well, we're going where God's promised us. Um, what do they eat there? Not quite sure. It will be great. We're looking forward to a new experience. You know, it's like there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a faith aspect to this. I love Moses' response in verse 31. We're getting really close to finishing, by the way. Um, he says this, uh, please do not leave us. For you know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you will serve as eyes for us. Hang on a minute, I thought they had the Ark of the Covenant telling them where to go. Yet Moses recognizes that there is something of Hobab's gifting that means that in the body he can function as an eye. Do you remember that from 1 Corinthians 12? And if the eye says, not interested in being part of the body, I'm just going to do my own thing... How will the body see? 
and how will the eye ever get anywhere? Amazing to see that body imagery there. There's something about Hobab. Moses has got all these tribes and all these people. Why does he need one more person? He recognized that every single person has got a part to play. Every single one of you. There's a part for you to play. You can stand back, but the invitation is come and be a part of it. Come with us. Let's do it together. So I want to enlist you in our wider mission. I want to invite you to pray for the work that's going on, not just here, but in the region and to the nations. There'll be opportunities in due course, no doubt, to give. I want you to feel caught up in the sending process as people go to start new churches in new places. I want you to feel that you are connected and caught up in that in some way. Some of you, I'm quite sure, are going to get called to go. Some will send, some will go. That is normal. I know that you might look around, but we can't afford a single person to go. But there's a sense in which we can't afford not to because it's in our very DNA that we are a going people, which involves the senders and the sent. If you're not sure about that, read Romans 10. How will they hear unless someone is sent to them to preach the word? Someone's got to send the sent ones. So we're all in it together. You're either a sender or you're sent. We're all in it together. Let's um, stand and just pray together for a couple of minutes. That's all right. I just felt, um, as I was coming here this morning, I felt that the Lord wanted to say that to, maybe to someone or to a, a couple here, it's time to clear out your loft. It's time to lighten your load. So I don't exactly know why, why the Lord wanted to highlight that, but I feel like that, that there's someone here, and it will make sense to you if that is you, you'll kind of know, it'll resonate, even as I'm speaking this, it's time to clear out your loft, it's time to lighten your load. Holy Spirit, I pray for your, uh, your presence and your activity in this place right now. Lord, I've said a lot, we've heard a lot all through this morning. It feels like you've been speaking to us. Come, Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. If you feel that God has been speaking to you personally in some way through this morning, which probably you know needs some kind of action or some kind of change of mindset, I'm not going to ask you to tell us what that is but we want to pray for you. And I would just like to ask you to put your hand up just so we can see if you feel that the Lord's been speaking to you in that way. I, I can see there's a couple of people. Yeah, three people. Yeah, so can, if you could just keep your hand up a little bit. Uh, those who, who, who haven't got your hand up, can you open your eyes and look? And I'd like to encourage you just to move to that person and just to pray that God will seal into their hearts what he's begun to speak to them about. Give them strength and courage today. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to fill them. So a little bit, a little bit of movement around the room. Uh, let, let's get active. Let's get engaged in this.
Holy Spirit, I pray for your power to come on us. Lord, if we're not quite sure what it means to, to go, if we don't kind of how that really works for us, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll come to us right now. You'll touch our lives. You'll fill us. You'll speak to us.